2 Kings chapter 4, begin reading in verse 8. 2 Kings 4, verse 8, the Bible says, And it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem, where was a great woman, and she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was that as often as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. She said unto her husband, Behold now, I perceive that this is an holy man of God which passeth by us continually. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall, and let us set for him there a bed and a table and a stool and a candlestick, and it shall be when he cometh to us that he shall turn in thither. And it fell on a day that he came thither and he turned into the chamber and lay there. To this day, when we make a little apartment, a little place for a preacher to stay when he's coming to a church, we call it a prophet's chamber. Amen. From the idea of this great lady. Now, this is a great woman. And when God Almighty in his eternal book says this is a great woman, that ought to get all of our attention. Amen, that's good. When you say from God this is a great person, wow, that's something. Now, I don't care if Fox News thinks you're great or CNN thinks you're great, but if God says you're great, let me tell you something, you're great. I mean, he recorded this in a book that will be standing when every single thing that we are familiar with has burned up and gone. And in that book, it says this woman of Shunem was a great woman. Wow. Whom God approveth is who gets approved. What a thing. Verse um, 12, And he said to Gehazi, his servant, Call this Shunammite. And when he had called her, she stood before him. And he said unto him, Say now unto her, Behold, thou hast been careful for us with all this care. What is to be done for thee? Wouldest thou be spoken for to the king or to the captain of the host? And she answered, I dwell among mine own people. Now wait a minute. <clears throat> It'll really help you to have some connections. In the old days, we used to talk about people that had friends in high places. Then that dirty country song come along with that old drunk talking about he had friends in low places and nobody's ever said had friends in high places anymore. That, that pretty much did away with that one. <laughs> but for years they said friends in high places and it does help you to have friends in high places in many cases. They can, uh, they can make some things happen to you up in, for you up in government. But this woman's not interested. <coughs> when you have a relationship with the God of the universe... You have all the friends in high places you'll ever know. Oh, that ends your need for friends in high places. <laughs> so she says, I dwell among mine own people. There is no man of any degree of attainment or any office that can help you any better when your best friend is God. Verse 14, and he said, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, Verily she hath no child, and her husband is old. And he said, Call her. He said, That's it. You know, that's a blessing that comes from God. And that'll do more for you than any king can. Verse 15, And he said, Call her. And when she, he had called her, she stood in the door. And he said, About this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. And she said, Nay, my lord. Thou man of God, do not lie unto thine handmaid. And the woman conceived, and bare a son at that season that Elisha had said unto her, 
according to the time of life. And when the child was grown, it fell on a day that he went out to his father, to the reapers. And he said unto his father, My head, my head. And he said to a lad, Carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then died. She went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, shut the door upon him, and went out. She called unto her husband and said, Send me, I pray thee, one of the young men and one of the asses, that I may run to the man of God and come again. And he said, Wherefore wilt thou go to him today? It is neither new moon nor Sabbath. And she said, It shall be well. She didn't even tell the husband what she's doing. Now, the Bible teaching is clearly that the man should be the head of the home, and he's the one responsible for bringing up the children and the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That's all for the man to do. But what if he doesn't? And this woman who's close to the Lord, taking care of the whole thing. That's not the way it's supposed to be. The man should be more involved. Don't misunderstand. I'm not absolving him of his responsibility. And I'm not saying he's necessarily doing anything wrong. He may have been, in all fairness, he may have been very involved in this son's life and just didn't know what to do with the sickness and said, carry him to his mother. You know, she's better with dealing with the sickness thing. I don't know. But she, she's needing help from somebody that her husband can't help with. Any husbands in here know how to bring kids back from the dead? <laughs> You're going to need somebody over your husband there. It's a good thing she's in contact with him. Verse 24, Then she saddled an ass and said to her servant, Drive and go forward. Slack not thy riding for me, except I bid thee. <laughs> she says, Now if you get going so bad, it scares me real bad. Now, I might tell you to slow up, but other than that, don't, don't even slow up. In other words, it's just a typical lady. Except one that knew God. And God says she's a great woman. So she went and came unto the man of God to Mount Carmel, and it came to pass when the man of God saw her afar off that he said to Gehazi his servant, Behold, yonder is that Shunammite. Run now, I pray thee, to meet her, and say unto her, Is it well with thee? Is it well with thy husband? Is it well with the child? And she answered, It is well. Well, she didn't tell her husband. Now she's talking to the servant like everything's well. What is going on? I'll tell you what. She knew she needed to get a hold of God. And her husband wasn't going to be able to do it. And the servant wasn't going to be able to do it. And of course, they didn't have a completed Bible at that time. So the only thing she could do is go to the man of God. That's where she's going to get the word of God. Verse 27, And when she came to the man of God to the hill, she caught him by the feet. But Gehazi came near to thrust her away. And the man of God said, Let her alone, for her soul is vexed within her. And the Lord hath hid it from me, and hath not told me. Now, I'm not surprised at a mother acting that way. That's not the way a father would handle it. He may be brokenhearted, but he wouldn't fall at somebody's feet and grab a hold of a feet or ankles and just hold on <laughs> and mourn. What I'm saying is, this woman is just a woman. Acting like a woman would in a time like this. She's not trying to, to be a man. There have been two sexes throughout history until recently. <laughs> they tell us now there are several. But, but we've always known there have been two. And one of them has been far more depressed than the other and had far more mental illness than the other. And 
been much more violent than the other and killed a whole lot more people than the other and been more suicidal than the other and had a lot more problems. Probably because of all the things men are trying to do and all the things they're trying to get involved in. And, uh, the, yeah, they, there's some great triumphs that way, but let me tell you something, there's some great losses when you're trying to conquer and do all the things that men have tried to do in history. And the women have had a lot less of those problems. Don't get me wrong, they've had their problems, but not on the level of the men. But in recent years, the women have decided they want to be equal to the men. The miserable, depressed, suicidal, vile ones. Bless your heart, you haven't thought things through, have you? Why would you do that? There's only one reason. Some communists, some one-worlders, some socialists that want government power have tried to tell you to do like that. And predictably, guess what has happened? Women's depression has gone up. Mental illness has gone up. Violence has gone up. Uh, suicide attempts has gone up. We, we read the articles up here, and they're not by Bible-believing Baptists. They're by their own studies. <laughs> their depression, their having to see a shrink, their being on drugs and alcohol is all going up, 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 up. In social media, we've read all the articles, and they're not by Bible-believing Baptists. They say, all this social media that we got today is not good for anybody, but it's especially hard on the women, particularly the younger women. <laughs> These are not Bible-believing Baptist statistics. These are their own statistics. Amen. What I'm saying is, this woman was a great woman, and she wasn't trying to be a man. Verse 28. Then she said, did, did I desire a son of my Lord? Did I not say, do not deceive me? She knew that that child came from God. And if there's a problem with that child, she knew it was God she needed to go to about it. And if it's his will to take the child, that's his call. But if there's any way she can get him back, that'll be through him too. Verse 29, Then he said to Gehazi, Gird up thy loins, and take my staff in thine hand, and go thy way. If thou meet any man, salute him not, and if any salute thee, answer him not again and lay my staff upon the face of the child. What was going on with this woman was so important to the prophet Elisha that he said, if anybody salutes you, don't you even talk to them. Let me tell you about the prophet, the man of God. He sometimes had interactions with the <clears throat> captain of the host. He sometimes had interactions with the king. And this woman that built him a little apartment on the side of the house is so important to him that he says, you ignore everybody else and let's take care of her. How would you ladies like to be in that position? Amen. That sounds good. Let me tell you something. There is not a better place to be in relation to your husband and your children, in relation to your society or anything else, than close to God. Amen. I saw a bumper sticker one time said something along the lines of um, quiet... Obedient women never make history. But the Bible says, meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God, a great price. Amen. You want to make history, and of course those would be more socialistic histories anyway, but you want to make history? 
argument will be a great value in the sight of God. That's a good point. This woman did not make history except God's history. And if you're in this history, you don't make the communist history. And if you're in the communist history, you don't make God's history. And that's true of men, women, boys, or girls. Nobody's picking on ladies. This is a sermon about a great woman. This woman has more going than the king or the captain of the host, and apparently more than her own husband, because she's close to God. How would you like to be in this position? You talk about power. <laughs> Who has more power than God Almighty and somebody that has his ear? Verse 30. And the mother of the child said, As the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And he arose and followed her. And Gehazi passed on before them and laid the staff upon the face of the child, but there was neither voice nor hearing. Wherefore? He went again to meet him and told him, saying, The child is not awaked. And when Elisha was come into the house, behold, the child was dead and laid upon his bed. He went in, therefore, and shut the door upon them twain and prayed unto the Lord. And he went up and lay upon the child and put his mouth upon his mouth and his eyes upon his eyes and his hands upon his hands. And he stretched himself upon the child and the flesh of the child waxed warm. Then he returned and walked in the house to and fro and went up and stretched himself upon him and the child sneezed seven times and the child opened his eyes. And he called Gehazi and said, Call this Shunammite. So he called her. He didn't even call the dad. <laughs> and when she was come in unto him, he said, Take up thy son. Then she went in and fell at his feet and bowed herself to the ground and took up her son and went out. I want to talk a little bit about a great woman. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this chance to read and study your word. And Lord, you have the answer to every question going on. Now, Lord, there are strong feelings about the role of women in society and in the church and in the schools and in government and everywhere else. And uh, as soon as you even bring it up, people start getting mad. But Lord, you're the one that created male and female. So we're going to look in your word, we're going to read, and we're just going to take what you say and believe it. And dear God, I pray you'd help us to practice it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, now I've been blessed in that as I've grown up, I've been surrounded by some strong women. I mean, buddy. I can tell you stories about Mama Robnett that get you laughing. I can tell you stories about Mama's mama, we called Mama Smith, that would get you laughing. Uh, neither, one of the, neither one of those mamas would back down from anybody. And I very well remember them going in ready. I mean, they, they, if it killed them, that's fine. They was, they were fearless, buddy. And then, of course, you know that we buried my Aunt Libby uh, last week. And you talk about influence. Dad was in another town in a barber shop, and they were talking about the funeral and knowing who that was. And it wasn't even in Pikeville. <laughs> um, I've been blessed to be surrounded by strong women all my life. 
My mother pointed me toward the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God for it. I am not in any way intimidated or bothered by a strong woman. But a lot of what's going on today is not a strong woman. It's just socialistic, political propaganda. Amen. And it's filth. But sometimes in our talking against some of the things that the communists do so they can just create all kind of havoc and take over, we forget, let me tell you something, there are some strong, powerful women in the Word of God, and when God Almighty gets in a woman, you can't believe what can get done. Now here is uh, the great woman of Shunem. We don't even know her name. But she changed history. First thing I notice about this woman is she's hospitable. Hospitable. It says here in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8, she constrained him to eat bread. If there was a man of God and he needed something, uh, she was going to give hospitality and do everything that she could uh, to be a blessing to people. Now, by the way, as I'm preaching on a great woman, a woman is a human, and so there's going to be some overlap with any other human. It is good for any human to be hospitable to people. Amen. That's right. But it, and specifically in the need of this sermon, we're talking about a great woman being hospitable. Uh, the New Testament talks about these things as well. I'm going to read to you from Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verse 10. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of saints, look at it, given to hospitality. Something you're given to, man, it rules you, it takes you over. Given to hospitality. That's Pauline church age doctrine, as they say. All right, let's look at 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. And above all things, he said this is top of the list. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. You know when you do something for people and you kind of feel obligated to and you kind of hate to and thought, oh, boy, this is costing too much. Oh, boy, I'll be glad when they... That would be hospitality with grudging. <laughs> it says use hospitality without grudging. You know what? The Lord's blessed us. It won't hurt us to sacrifice for others. Out in the highways and byways of life, many are weary and sad, carry the sunshine where darkness is rife, making the sorrowing glad. Make me a blessing to someone today. What a wonderful hymn that is. <clears throat> Acts 16.15 tells about a great woman had her own business. She was a seller of purple. Her name was Lydia. You know what purple represents? That, that's the good stuff. That's the nice stuff. That's the high class people. That's the... Uh, that's the clientele that is hard to please. <laughs> They're used to getting the good stuff. And Lydia ran a business with that stuff. 
And it says that when she was baptized in her household, she besought us, saying, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. There's another strong woman that said, Hey, if you're a man of God, you're going to be wined and dined at my house. Not wine. Who did I say that to not long ago when somebody rebuked me for saying why? I said, It's just a figure of speech. <laughs> I'm not saying you have to serve a believer. Oh, man, but somebody said that and got on to me about that. Oh, yeah, it was a guy at work. <laughs> but she constrained them. She made them come to her house. If her husband's mentioned there, I miss it. What would happen? I'll tell you what happened. Lydia had a relationship with God. That's right. Now, perhaps there will be another time that we'll preach more on the on the situation with the wife and the husband but for now we're talking about a great woman and you know what makes a great woman a relationship with God that's what does every single thing in life is your relationship with God you say well you know there's more to life than that you know there's really not <laughs> there really isn't Amen. if your relationship with God is right all everything else falls into place or at least much easier yeah. All right, so the first thing I'll say about a great woman is she is hospitable. All right, the second thing I'll say about her is she is spiritually perceptive. Now, they talk about intuition, women's intuition, and how they just sense things. And, uh, you know, when a man's talking, he's listening to what you say. When a woman's communicating with you, there's all kinds of things going on. She's noticing the facial expression. She's hearing the tone of voice. She's watching the body language and, you know, hearing what you say, too. And they've done study after study after study, and they'll talk to men and they'll talk to women, and the women will always have way deeper insights than the men because the men are just listening to what the guy says. There's only one exception, and that is when they tell the men ahead of time. They say, all right, guys, now look, we're having this situation here, and we're not sure the guy's going to tell you the truth. So you've got to watch his facial expression, you've got to listen to his tone of voice, you've got to watch his body language, and listen to his words. And when they tell the man that ahead of time, then yes, he scores about as good as the woman because he's watching for all those things and he does about as good. But if you don't tell a man that ahead of time, he misses it every time. There is something about a woman that just has more intuition. You say, yeah, yeah, well, but that's not what we're talking about tonight. Tonight, we're talking about a great woman with God. And this woman was spiritually perceptive. She didn't just notice those other things, although women are very good at those things and do those things naturally. Uh, look at verse 9. And she said unto her husband, Behold now, I perceive that this is an holy man of God, which passeth by us continually. Another way of saying this is, she has discernment. There were a bunch of women around the Lord Jesus Christ that sensed something about him. And yes, some of it was, I'm sure, facial expressions and tone of voice and body language. I'm sure that was. But they also tend to be more spiritually perceptive as well. They know when something's up one way or the other. If they're close to God. Now, if they're not close to God, obviously, and don't have the Holy Spirit indwelling them, obviously that, that would not come true. But it certainly does with a woman that is a great woman in the sight of God. All right, look at Acts chapter 8, or I'll read it to you. Acts 
Acts chapter 8, verse 20, I guess is what I want here. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent thereof of this thy wickedness, and pray God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. In this case, it's a man. And probably because the Holy Spirit's inside of him, he perceives this man is not liking the message that he's receiving. If you've been preaching for very long, or if you've been witnessing to people for very long, when you're witnessing, you start to sense that spirit coming back at you of somebody oh, you're yeah. witnessing to. And you see when the veil comes over their face and they have no idea what you're saying. You see when they get sad by what you're saying. You see when they get mad at what you're saying. And Peter is here, and as he's talking to this man, he perceives that he is in the gall of bitterness. How good is your spiritual perception? Uh, here's here's what will help that. Number one, be sure you're saved so you have the Holy Spirit indwelling you. Number two, spend time with God every day. When you spend time with God every day, you sense when somebody else has spent time with God every day. You sense the Spirit in that person. And men and women can do it. But I do think because women naturally notice non-verbal cues better than men, I do think they probably do even a little bit better job at this. All right, we just did Acts chapter 8. Let's see here. Um, Acts chapter 17. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. He perceived some things. Uh, Eli perceived that the Lord had spoken to little Samuel. Isn't that something? When Eli, the prophet, who knew the Lord, heard from the Lord, and knew that little Samuel had a soft heart toward God, Eli picked that up. I remember being a very young child, and my heart just as open to Jesus as it could be. I remember that. And that is uh, noticed by people that are close to the Lord. Samuel said Israel needed to perceive that their sin was great. There's one. When somebody's not close to the Lord, they don't even perceive that their sin is great. When somebody's close to the Lord, you can tell when you've offended him. <laughs> you ever been around some people and all of a sudden their countenance changes to you and they're not buddy-buddy like they used to be and you know, okay, I've done something. <laughs> Well, let me tell you something. You can tell when God Almighty is offended. And your sin, you must have done something that's made him mad because he isn't around like he used to be. And Samuel told Israel they needed to perceive that their sin was great. David perceived that the Lord had established his kingdom and exalted it. Boy, that's a blessed thing when you realize the hand of the Lord is blessed. I've had times where he was departed from me, and I've had times where he was blessing me. And I noticed both ways. Oh, yeah. And you sure will. So this great woman was spiritually perceptive. She perceived things. 2 Corinthians 7, Paul says, Though I made you sorry with a letter, I do not repent, though I did repent. For I perceive that the same epistle hath made you sorry, though it were but for a season. 
Galatians 2, he says, When James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given unto me, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship that we should go unto the heathen and they unto the circumcision. You know, that was a hard transition for those disciples to make. Jesus was down there. He was their Messiah. He was bringing in that Jewish kingdom. That was pretty much all they talked about. A little bit of Gentiles here and there, but mostly the Jewish kingdom. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit's all over Paul wanting to go to the heathen. When, what did it? Was it Paul gave them such a good, airtight, logical argument that he finally convinced them? No. They perceived the grace of God in him. Things aren't always going to make logical sense to you. Amen. And sometimes you're going to have to sense the moving of God on things. And this great woman had that very thing. All right, but not only is she hospitable and spiritually perceptive, but she's thoughtful. Back in our text in 2 Kings chapter 4, it says in verse 10, Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall, and let us set for him there a bed and a table and a stool and a candlestick. And it shall be when he cometh to us that he shall turn in thither. And, uh, you know, when you didn't have Motel 6, when you didn't have a place to stay and a bunch of traveling, it sure felt good to have a place to turn in and rest. A place that was set aside for you. She was thoughtful on these things. You know, Christians ought to be more thoughtful. And the Lord's beat me up for, about this for years and years, and, I'm, and I'll do good for a while, and now I'll just get busy about my own stuff and worrying about myself, and I'm ashamed of it. But I, I won't be as thoughtful as I should be. Uh, the ladies are real good about that. You let one of their kids be fixing to take a trip, and I mean, they got their suitcase packed, and they've already thought of shoes and socks and underwear and skirt or pants or shirt or hairbrush or razor or whatever their kid needs. I mean, they've got the whole quad. They just think about people and what they'll need and what they can do for them. And sometimes men do too, but i, I got to say, I think the ladies do better. Oh, yeah. All right, Philippians chapter, Philippians chapter 4, verse 10. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me, Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Paul said, if you'll be thoughtful and think about people and take care of them in God's work, fruit abounds to your account. Uh, being hospitable and being thoughtful like this is a tremendous thing. It's a tremendous blessing, and it's one of the reasons that this woman is so blessed. Uh, I'll read one other passage on this. Let me look at 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Verse 16, The Lord give mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus, for he oft refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. But when he was in Rome, he sought me out very diligently and found me. The Lord grant unto him that he may find mercy of the Lord in that day. 
and in how many things he ministered unto me at Ephesus, thou knowest very well. The Apostle Paul is the spokesman for our age, wrote all those church age epistles, and you know what he's doing? He's calling down blessing on, on Onesiphorus. You know why? Because Onesiphorus was thoughtful. He said, Paul's in jail and nobody knows where. I've got to find him so I can help him. He was thoughtful. There are plenty of us that our hearts are with the person, and if there was a convenient way, we would do it, but we're not going to go search them out in a Roman jail. We wouldn't go that far. We'd say, oh, well, if there was something I could do, I sure would. Onesiphorus went further than that. He said, I'm going to make this happen. This man needs me. He's thoughtful, just like this great woman of Shunem was. And one of the great blessings of being a great woman is she was appreciated by the godly. One time, uh, Elisha and Gehazi, his servant, are sitting there. And he was just thinking, look at how, what a blessing they are to us. Call this Shunammite and say unto her, you've been careful for us with all this care. What is to be done for thee? Again, if I may call this selfish, you know why you ought to be a blessing to God's people? Because they'll be a blessing to you. When people leave... God's people and say God's people haven't been a blessing to them, a lot of times they stopped a long time ago even trying to be a blessing to them. But when this woman was a blessing to Elisha, oh man, he was thinking, what can we do for her? Appreciated by the godly. I'll read to you from 2 Corinthians 9. I want to show you how dispensationally correct this sermon is. And how these points are also found in the Pauline epistles. It don't hurt to study a little bit on doesn't, I'm sorry. It doesn't hurt to study a little bit on a Sunday night. Let's see, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 12. For the administration of this service not only supplieth the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. Whilst by the experiment of this ministration they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ and for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men and by their prayer for you which long after you for the exceeding grace of God in you thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. He says two things. He says you start getting hospitable and thoughtful and there will be some people close to God be praying down his blessings on you. And number two, Think about the unspeakable gift you were given. And of course, that's the Lord Jesus Christ. She's hospitable. She's spiritually perceptive. She's thoughtful. She's appreciated by the godly. But I want to say this. She's humble, not ambitious. This woman who God says is a great woman is not trying to shatter any glass ceiling. And say, look, I can get up here and be as miserable as the men now. <laughs> Why would you want to do that anyway? Have you studied the lives of men and women who attain to great positions? It's not a happy life. Amen. You don't have it made up there. There are forces and problems and temptations and frustrations that us down here with the common men can't even understand. But be that as it may, the great woman says, I dwell among mine own people. And I know what argument will be made against this. Oh, wait a minute. 
she could be friends with the king. You don't know what favors it'll get. Before this sermon's over, we're going to deal with what to do when you need favors from the king. That's covered in the, in the life of this very woman. She's humble, not ambitious. She said, I just dwell among my own people. Proverbs 15.33, the fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and before honor is humility. You want to bring honor on yourself or on your family or on women in general? Let me tell you what to do. Humble yourself. Because the Word of God says before honor is humility. Proverbs 18.12, before destruction the heart of man is haughty and before honor is humility. There it is again. James 4.10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. The way up is the way down. Amen. You want to be exalted? Okay. Humble yourself before God. I just read three verses that said the same thing. 1 Peter 5, 6, humble, there, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. She's humble, not ambitious. And God says she's a great woman. I'll tell you something else. She's skeptical of big promises. Look at chapter 4 and verse 16. The man of God said, you're going to embrace a son. And what does she say at the end of verse 16? Nay, my Lord, thou man of God, do not lie unto thine handmaid. Do you know how many people, men, women, boys, and girls, would jump on as soon as somebody gives them a big promise? <laughs> oh, if you'll just do this, if you'll just stuff these, in the old days, if you'll just stuff this many envelopes, you'll make thousands and thousands of dollars. <laughs> if you'll just sign up for this, oh, you'll be rich. The get-rich-quick schemes. Oh, if you'll just do this, oh, life will be so great for you. But she was skeptical of that. She was realistic. She had dealt with people. And better than that, she was in fellowship with God. And God reveals things to you. Somebody that's gullible is somebody that's not close to God. And then the serpent can come up and talk to them. And oh, yeah, oh, this is the thing. If we just eat this fruit, honey, we'll be as gods, knowing good and evil. This woman, a promise from the man of God, and she was skeptical of it. She said, wait a minute, don't lie to me. Don't get my hopes up. I recognize that defense mechanism of not wanting a big disappointment. I get it. I have that embedded in my psyche. I know exactly what she's doing. I assume it's because she fears disappointment. She had never asked for a son, and dare not expect one. So she's hospitable, she's spiritually perceptive, she's thoughtful, she's appreciated by the godly, she's humble, not ambitious, she is skeptical of big promises, and this is maybe the best thing, she has God to fix her problems. When her son dies, what does she do with him? She lays him on the bed of the man of God. Right. said, all right, well, the man of God isn't here, but the thing that has to most, the most to do with him is that little prophet's chamber we've made him. I'm putting my son on the bed in that prophet's chamber until I can get some help. And that's what she did. She goes straight to the man of God and will not leave him. Whichever way it comes out, if, if, it is God's will to take her son. She's not leaving the man of God. 
there are those who say, well, I tried that and it didn't work. God is not something that you try. God is something you're committed to. Amen. In the old days in this country and really throughout history, we understood that there were things that were, you tried, and if it doesn't work, you move on to the next. And then there were other things that were commitments. Marriage, for example, is a lifelong commitment. God, on the other hand, is an eternal commitment. When her son was dead, laying on the bed of the man of God, she went to the man of God and got him by the feet, didn't tell her husband he couldn't help, didn't tell the servant he couldn't help, but held on to the man of God and would not let go. She goes straight to the man of God and will not leave. And you know what happens. Her son is brought back to life. But there are plenty of people who have lost loved ones that were not brought back to life. In those cases, should we say, okay, I tried and God couldn't help me. Forget him. I'm going to go on to the next stage of life. <laughs> no. God is an eternal commitment and God knows better than you what needs to happen. It is hard to submit to sometimes. Oh, yeah. If you've been saved for any length of time, you know that. But you stick with it. You say, well, that's easy for this woman to say. She got her son back. Yeah, but there were more problems on the horizon. We're in 2 Kings chapter 4. Turn just a few pages over to 2 Kings chapter 8. Second Kings chapter 8 verse 1. Is it not enough that she had to live all those years unable to have children, then is able to have one, then he dies. The Lord does bring her through it, thank God. But has she not proven her point now? No, there's more. <laughs> this, is, this is one of the Lord and my repeated arguments. <laughs> I sometimes feel like I've done enough and been through enough. And he always has a little bit more. So here is her a little bit more. 2 Kings chapter 8, verse 1. Then spake Elisha unto the woman whose son he had restored to life, saying, Arise, and go thou in thine household, and sojourn wheresoever thou canst sojourn, for the Lord hath called for a famine, and it shall also come upon the land seven years. And the woman arose and did after the saying of the man of God, and she went with her household and sojourned in the land of the Philistines seven years. So there's a great advantage to holding on to the man of God whichever way your trial comes out because guess what? There's going to be more trials in the future. And you're going to need God not just in one thing. You're going to need Him in the next and the next and the next and the next. You better get used to trusting God. He'll save your soul, but He'll also take care of everything else according to His will, some of which will not be in agreement with your will. But she got forewarning about a famine that was going to be seven years. There's another. The Lord will let things last longer than you want them to last. You know, a good year or two of uh, not having good crops, you know, that's, that's pretty tough. But seven years, so bad that she has to leave Israel, the promised land, to go 
somewhere else to survive, but still she had forewarning. So praise the Lord for that. God sent the prophet and saved her life and her husbands and her sons and her families. Who knows what all came from that? But as always, there's more. There's a problem with you leaving your home and farm and wealth and holdings for seven years. When you come back, somebody else got them by that time. So she comes home and she has no home. 2 Kings chapter 8, verse 3. And it came to pass at the seven years' end that the woman returned out of the land of the Philistines, and she went forth to cry unto the king for her house and for her land. Oh, no. I knew she was being stupid just relying on God. The prophet offered to talk to the king for her. If only she would have been introduced to the king back then when she had a chance then she might have had a chance here, but here she just dwelled among her own people, and those poor people around her, they can't help her at a time like this. Ah, oh, but thank God when you read the verses, you find out God's able to show up. If you've got God, you've got all the friends you need. I don't mean that it's not good to have other friends, but you don't need to be something that you are. You don't need exaltation that doesn't suit you. Amen. This woman, just saying, I dwell among my own people, had all the help she needed. When her son died, he was brought back to life. When a famine hit, she was forewarned and was able to get out of it. And now when she gets back and has no home, she goes to the king and look how God takes care of it. Verse 4, And the king talked with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, saying, Tell me, I pray thee, all the great things that Elisha hath done. And it came to pass, as he was telling the king how he had restored a dead body to life, that, behold, the woman whose son he had restored to life cried to the king for her house and for her land. And Gehazi said, My lord, O king, this is the woman, and this is her son, whom Elisha restored to life. And when the king asked the woman, she told him. So the king appointed unto her a certain officer, saying, Restore all that was hers and all the fruits of the field since the day that she left the land, even until now. All right, now that's a little better deal than if she would have gotten introduced to the king oh, yeah. ten years ago, or whatever it was. Let me tell you something. You stay close to God, and there will be times... He will allow heartbreaks in your life. I'm sorry to tell you. I wish I could tell you that if you'll stay close to God, you're on easy street. But you're not. He will allow heartbreaks, but they will be heartbreaks in accordance with His will. And when He decides to do a deliverance, it'll be a miraculous deliverance. People were coming back from seven years of this famine and couldn't even get their land back, and they sure never dreamed of getting every uh, reimbursed for every. It happens for this great woman of Shunem. It happens for Lydia when those women that were would go by the river to pray, and Paul shows up and teaches the word of God to them, and her life has changed. It happens. So this woman has God to fix her problems. And what have we seen today? We've seen a great woman is hospitable. 
She's spiritually perceptive. She's thoughtful. She's appreciated by the godly. She's humble, not ambitious. She's not trying to break any glass ceiling or be the big, great thing that gets all the recognition. She'll take her recognition from God. And by the way, that's not keeping a lowly place. You get exalted when you humble yourself before God. Humble yourself. You want to be exalted? Let me tell you the ticket. Humble yourself before God. That'll do it. I'm not telling you to stay lowly. I'm saying God will exalt you if you will stay meek and lowly. The Lord Jesus, of course, is the greatest example of that in all of history. In conclusion, I want to say this. If a woman, or anybody for that matter, will stay close to God, they'll get blessings that there's no way in the world they could have ever anticipated. 1 Kings 3.13, the Lord speaking to Saul. And I have also given thee that which thou hast not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee all thy days. Solomon didn't ask for that. He asked for a wise and understanding heart. And God said, yeah, I'm so pleased that that's what you asked for, that I'm going to give you everything you didn't ask for as well. That's the God to serve. Ephesians 3.20 Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Let me tell you what do. If you want to be a great woman get close to God and let him do it for you. And he'll do more than you could ever do for yourself. And for that matter if you're a child or a man here Get close to God and let Him do it for you and you'll get more than you could ever do by yourself. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You for this chance to read and study.